Are you curious about bodies, pleasure, and possibilities? And what about curious about what others are up to on the planet when it comes to pleasure, sex, and play? Have you considered what pleasure can do for your life, your body, and your bank account? Do you know something magical, delightful, and out of this world orgasmic is not only possible for you, but totally available to you? If you're ready to be the magical, sexual, sexy beast you know you can be, and you just need the tools to get there, you're in the right place. Now, here's the host of The Pleasure Zone, sensual movement artist, relationship, and sex alchemist, Milica Yelenich. Hello, sweet pleasure seekers. That's you. You're a pleasure seeker. You know why? Because you're here on this show. You're listening to this episode, which makes you curious and makes you seeking pleasure here on the pleasure zone. I actually kind of consider this entire planet a pleasure zone. This planet is an amazing place where we actually get to experience pleasure, where we get to have these bodies that are these pleasure units that are so cool. And so for me, actually, this entire planet is a playground of pleasure, and it's a playground of where it's like, you know, if you were to buy a ticket for a theme park in your life, this would be like the theme park called the Pleasure Zone. And you just bought your lifetime, this lifetime uh, ticket to the Pleasure Zone. So on this fabulous planet of ours, we have so many different ways to experience pleasure and what I really like to look at on these shows is all these different ways that people experience pleasure, pe- ways people have avoided pleasure, things that we've done to ourselves or have shown up in our lives that have stopped us from even ever knowing what pleasure is. Um, and I say that word a lot because it is the pleasure zone and we are all about um, having those experiences and feeling and having our bodies receive. It's so fun. So, Today, we're talking about a particular kind of pleasure. Oh, did you just hear that? There's like a bird in my background, and I love it. There's there's a bird outside my window, and he just like loves to sing to me like all day long. And I currently have my window open, so there's like a sweet breeze. My daughter's still sleeping. My husband's out of the house. It's like me alone having sweetness in my office talking to you guys about today's topic. And I like that today's topic is a topic where I have a lot of privacy because it's a bit of a very uh, intimate topic. We're going to be talking about golden showers today. What are they? It's actually a bit of a urination fascination. There's actually a real word for that. Did you know that? There's a real, real technical word. I mean, there's a technical word for everything, but I had to find it. I had to seek it out. And the technical word for golden showers or the fetish or desire to be peed on or have pee or drink urine or um, there's specific words for the desire to drink urine but the golden showers uh, fascination is actually called urophilia uro being you know your urological system things involving urine and all the ways we process urine and philia is uh, like the deep love i'm just going to briefly translate from the Greek word philia. It's kind of like not so much necessarily obsession, but it's like a deep yearning love kind of sensation. So I'm just curious about all the energies that are uh, coming up for people, all the things, all the points of view that come up for people, even when you just mentioned the word golden showers. 
there's a lot of judgment out there going on. There's a lot of people going, that's effing disgusting, or that's effing fantastic, or there's usually a pretty split uh, thought on this. There isn't usually like neutral ground of meh. There's a lot of split thought. I mean, there's a lot of split thought on poop fetishes as well. Um, they People either love it or are revolted by it. And I love talking about fetishes. I actually don't even know what my own fetish is. I'm just kind of like, do I have one or am I just curious about everything? Uh, I, I'm really, it's really fascinating to me. And I do uh, know quite a few people with the fascination for urination. And I've actually talked to them. So I do have some insight from from their personal perspective on this. I have insight from the psychological perspective as well as looking at it from um, different therapeutic aspects as well. So I have to say that the first time I ever really understood or heard about people using urine for anything other than going to the toilet, I was probably a teenager and I'd heard about golden showers and I, I just kind of shied away or backed out from that thinking, well, that's got to be dirty. It's urine. It comes out of our body. If it's coming out of our body, it shouldn't be going back into our body. Well, that was an interesting point of view. Later on, I was working at a bookstore, a holistic and metaphysical bookstore, where we sold books for everything you can imagine. And one of the things that we did sell was a book on urine therapy. And one day, a lady had come in, and she was looking for a book on urine therapy. And I'm going to tell you this little story because it's all about me and judgment. And so a woman came in asking for this book on urine therapy. We happened to have one on the shelf. And in this particular um, bookstore, we also had a space where you could sit down and read books for as long as you wanted. People would just sit there and read. I mean, it wasn't the most functional for the business and it wasn't the best business model. It was a kind of more of a community-based concept um, not necessarily a, a creating money concept. So the woman came in, sat down, read this book, entire book, from cover to cover, cracked the spine on it, brings it back to me at a counter and says, I'd like to order this book on urine therapy. And I said, but it's right in your hand. Did you want an extra one? She's like, no, I don't want one that has a cracked cover. And me... I can't say I was always non-judgmental. So at me, at this point, I was quite judgy. Uh, I turned to her and I said, you're willing to drink your own pee, but you won't have a book with a cracked cover. Hmm, that's interesting. So there I was judging the crap out of uh, her and judging the crap out of the situation. Yes, I did that. <laughs> and uh, yep, she was pretty um, horrified and upset. And, you know, lucky me, I had my boss walking by right at that time, always caught with my pants down. That's my life story. And <laughs> there there I was insulting her. And it was interesting because I then picked up that book and I got curious about what is this. So I'd never read that book before. It was I hadn't even opened the book at all. The, she cracked the spine on that book. I had never looked at it. And I started to uh, read into more of what is actually therapeutic about urine. So it's a very interesting topic, actually. I'm going to bring this up because what I'd really like to do is 
is give you information about this so that you don't, as I'm talking about it, feel like squirming in your pants or feel like being grossed out. But I want to give you information so that you can kind of see it from a different perspective. For those of you who are um, looking at this and going, this is disgusting, yet I'm intrigued. Why am I listening to this show if I find this so disgusting? Um, and at the same time, you might be finding it so fascinating. So urine therapy has a few names that it goes by. It's also known as urotherapy, urinotherapy, oran therapy, shivambu, uropathy, uh, or also auto-urine therapy. So many names for it. And what it mostly is, is using urine for medicinal or cosmetic purposes. I don't know if you guys remember hearing this, but I think it was in the 80s, uh, and this could be a full-on rumor, somebody talked about Victoria Principle using urine on her face, and that was what she swore by that gave her fabulous skin. And so I'm curious, why would urine be able to do that? Well, there are some components to urine that are actually pretty healthy. So urine is... In terms of, of like a chemical compound, if we look at it that way, what urine is composed of is mostly water. It's 95% water. Um, the other parts of it include urea, chloride, sodium, potassium, creatinine. Um, they check those things like creatinine levels to see how healthy your kidneys are. And there's other dissolved ions in inorganic compounds and organic compounds. And sometimes uh, when they're checking, like urine, they might even find blood in it, which can be a, um, a situation that's called hematuria. So you can find different things um, in blood when you're testing it. And you can also find that some of these things, like sodium and potassium, well, we actually need those in our body. We actually need these things uh, these minerals are very useful in our body. And when our body is low in them, it's, it can become destructive to our cells. There's a whole uh, way that you can get extra minerals into your body through different cell salts. Um, that's a, it's not necessarily for sexual function, although it can help your body a lot so it functions better. So you can definitely take some time and read up about Schussler cell salts if you're interested in that. It's a great way to get uh, different levels of minerals like potassium into your body or even iron and things like that. So this is what we have in our pee. And so if our pee is 95% water, when you think about it, if you're in a situation where your life is maybe at stake or you're, you know, you could be in the desert and, you know, all you've got left is your urine you might drink it. It's 95% water. And at that point, um, you know, there might not be much left in it. So one of the things to be aware of with urine is, and this is just a be, be aware of it, is if you are somebody who has a fetish of drinking urine, uh, to get the urine, one of the things is to get urine that it's more midstream rather than the first urine. The first urine, although they talk about it in urine therapy as something that has a lot of uh, extra minerals and stuff in it. It can also be the urine that carries bacteria. So it it really depends. I, I, what I do remember reading was like the first urine of the day is the one that most people will either drink or put on their face. Um, again, that was about 20 years ago I read that book. So I don't have that completely memorized. But from a historical perspective, it's pretty. it's a pretty interesting 
therapy and it was developed in England. It was actually developed by a naturopath. His name was John W. Armstrong and it was in the 20th century. He kind of was very interested in a particular proverb from the Bible and the proverb says, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. So his philosophy was that you could actually have better health, you could have increased health, and it could actually be something that you would heal from. So he used a 45-day fast himself that was nothing but urine, his own urine and tap water. And I I didn't actually look up all the results of all of his work. However, it is something that has carried on. He did write a treatise on urine therapy, and people have sworn by this work. So there are many different um, looks at this, and people who have been using urine for different things for a very long time. I know that... uh, from a side note, from when I was hanging hanging out with a particular religious group, that urine uh, of a cow, for example, is used to purify things in India. So if urine of a cow would be something purifying, there's also this sense with human urine, too, that it's used in a ritualistic fashion. So, you know, some people might use it drinking urine, for example, as a ritual for connection, for feeling a deeper sense of connection to a person or to whatever's going on that they're having the ritual for. Um, Generally, it's to connect from one person to another. So the name of that, urophagia, is actually the name for the specific fascination with drinking urine. And it's not necessarily a sexual thing, In particular, it can be specifically for the purposes of connecting to somebody. And it's an interesting thing when you look at urine and you look at a lot of points of view of it. There's a lot of people who think urine smells terrible, urine is disgusting, urine is... So there's a lot of points of view. And then there's a whole gamut of people who think urine smells fantastic. They love it. You know, there's probably a hint of pheromones that come out with urine as well, I would think. Especially for women, it's running on your genitals as it it comes out. At least it runs on my labia, I'll tell you that much, because I don't have tiny labia. So urine gets into places, perhaps you have tinier labia. So your urine doesn't go on your labia, but I'm thinking my labia have a lot of pheromones and it's probably going to pick some stuff up there. So there's different aspects to urine that becomes very fascinating, uh, almost enjoyable for people. And we're going to actually explore a lot more of this. And I just want to give you some background before we jump into the fetish part of this. So you are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time? for a totally different sexual evolution. Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Milica Jelanić, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. 
on the Pleasure Zone Radio Show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at MilicaJelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back. We're talking about golden showers, a urination fascination today here on The Pleasure Zone. And this conversation is a very interesting one. So I know this was originally uh, in the first year that I started The Pleasure Zone. I did a show called Golden Showers Bring May Flowers. It was actually one of my most listened to shows on all of our different platforms. We went through and we kind of looked at that uh, I did that with my friend and the CEO of of Inspired Choices Network, and it was fascinating to me how fascinating golden showers are. And I thought, I wonder what else I know about this. I wonder what I didn't talk about in the first one. I did not listen to the original episode before creating this episode. I likely will, though, just out of curiosity to notice the difference, uh, both in my approach in the way I talk. I'm really curious to see my level of confidence, I can actually notice even when I talk now that I have a different level of confidence than I had when I first started the pleasure zone and that my comfort level talking about fetishes or fetishes that are maybe not ones that I'm familiar with or ones that I've experienced, ones that uh, I'm finding that I'm just having more comfort talking about pretty much everything and every anything. So, one of the things I did briefly mention before we went to break is some health aspects of urine. Uh, what is contained in urine? I talked about um, the fact that urine has different minerals in it, uh, potassium, things like that. And another thing to be aware of about urine is it can be a way that we can transmit sexually transmitted diseases. So just something to be aware of is that Urine can transmit hepatitis. Sometimes it can transmit herpes as well, chlamydia, gonorrhea. And 
it's possible to transmit HIV through urine, but there's no actual known cases of that. So, or at least nobody's completely aware that that was the main way that they got it. You can get these transmissions mostly through open wounds or scrapes. So, for example, one of the things with part of the fascination with golden showers is having somebody pee on you. So if you have a cut on your body, then one of the things to be aware of is if your partner who's urinating on you has either gonorrhea or chlamydia, it can get into the wound. It can create an infection. So just from a health standpoint, know your urine, know your urine, know your partner's urine. And then if this is something that you're fascinated by, this is a conversation you absolutely require having before you explore delving into, diving into, diving into that urine. There's like giant bucket of it, like 500 people have peed into a giant bucket and you just dive into it. It's almost like the bukake of urine, just diving into the bucket. Now, I don't know if there is a technical term for that because honestly, that image just jumped into my mind, diving into urine. So one of the main things that people have with with any sort of fetish is that there's usually something that they're denying. And their main fascination has to do with something that they're so totally hiding and denying that they desire it. So for one of the things with urination is a sense of humiliation that comes with it. And there are other fascinations with uh, urophilia. Like, for example, some people really just like it because they feel more connected. For them, one of the deepest ways to feel connected to a person. And it's very like a very intense experience for them. So there isn't really so much of a um, a humiliation going on. There is like, this is a part of you and I'm ingesting a part of you. Not that different than when a man or a woman would swallow the cum of another person. So for women, if you really like enjoy swallowing cum of a woman or a man or vice versa, um, you... You know, that in itself, you're taking in somebody else's body fluids. Not that different from urine. And for some people, it's a way to feel highly connected to another person. And a lot of it can also have to do, for some people who are in sadomasochism, urination is really, that is where the humiliation factor comes in. So truly there are like three main things that come with the urophilia. And number one is that urine serves basically as an object for a fetish. So just like you could have a fur or you could have um, toys of some kind or leather, it's just the object of the fetish. And Humiliation for sadomasochism is huge. So there's different types of humiliation that go on with sadomasochism. Urination is definitely a big one. Uh, Pooping is another one. And there's also when somebody harms you, either whips or chains or embarrassment, where it would be humiliation of being stripped naked and being laughed at. People get very turned on by that as well. There's a very 
there's actually a um, surprisingly large group of people in the world who get very turned on by being shamed. And and it's interesting because last week's episode was about shame and how we can overcome that. And this week's episode does kind of touch into the shame factor, but this is shame to me where if a person is truly choosing this, consciously knowing that embarrassment works for them or shame works for them, then that is their choice and that is like a gift for them. And this is not something that we have to go, well, they are, you know, they're messed up and they need to get help. The DSM, which is like a diagnostic tool for psychiatrists and psychologists, would say that this is, uh, there's a classification for philias in general for fetishes. And it's just about unusual ways to enjoy sexual pleasure. So they've actually tamed down a lot of their description of um, different sexual fetishes in the DSM in the last 30 years even. Um, when I was in university, the, if they just had just taken homosexuality out of the DSM as a, as a way of um, diagnosing people with a, a disorder of sorts. So that was only, that was only like 25, oh yes, 25 years ago. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. There are also a lot of different subcategories to urination. So there's that ritual aspect that we talked about as well, where people are just really interested in having urine for the purpose of experience connection to another person. For, um, you know, it is a very, it's a very intimate thing. And it's a very intimate thing to both ask for and to receive. So for anybody who is out there and they're like, it's something I really, really desire and I don't know how to ask for it and I don't know how to step into that, but it's so deep. It's like your biggest ask ever. Uh, we can definitely, I'm going to definitely talk to you a little bit about how to introduce this concept into your relationship if it's something that really you know is so required for you to have a sense of freedom with your sexual expression. I do want to talk about a few other little subcategories first because these might be things that you're also interested in and you might want to be able to bring them up as well and you might not have even thought about it before. There's, um, There was actually, after my first episode that I did, I had a person write to me and it was one of the sweetest letters I'd ever received uh, regarding my show. Uh, never heard from this particular person again and they might have, act, they might have made up their their email address just to send me this particular email so that it was more discreet. I'm not sure, but um, it's very. it was very sweet. And the letter uh, was about uh, more of a subcategory of golden showers, which has to do with this, for this person in particular, had to do with his joy of being receiving things like receiving a flower, receiving flowers or receiving a gift and then urinating himself and then being comforted by the person that gifted it to him, the comfort and the connection and the sweetness and the full exception, uh, accepting an allowance of him was for him one of the greatest turn-ons was to have a woman to be able to just be in total allowance of him urinating in front of them out of total gratitude and sweetness and like a almost childlike in his response. And for him, he remembers that he did have that experience as a child 
um, was a little shame with it originally, but then as as it got more accepted and as as somebody as he had his first response of somebody thinking it was very sweet, uh, became very much a fetish for him. So, I if you are listening to this episode, I greatly appreciate you because that was a fabulous letter, and I sometimes refer to it in other episodes as well. So feel free to write to me personally. You can find me. You can write to me on my through my website. You can write to me on social media platforms like. Uh, Instagram or on Facebook, I'd be happy to hear from you. If you have questions, if you're really struggling with this topic and you'd really like to know how to approach this more, um, definitely connect with me. So just before we go to break, I want to mention a few of the subcategories. So some of the other subcategories have to do, again, with um, when people pee their pants, right? Like I mentioned about that that fellow in particular. And there's another one um, that is in Japan called, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, omowashi. Uh, omowashi involves suppressing urination until the need to urinate is totally urgent or making somebody else suppress their urination uh, or also watching another person with an urgent need to urinate. Well, quite frankly, my whole life I've suppressed urination until the need is so urgent that I almost die. So maybe this is my thing. Maybe omowashi is actually my thing. And I had teachers in grade school. I don't know if you did too, but I had teachers in grade school that would pretty much make you wait until you peed your pants until they'd let you go to the bathroom. You'd be squirming and squirming. Maybe all my teachers had a fascination uh, or maybe they were also into omowashi as well and didn't even know it. So, so hey, teachers out there, if you're into omowashi, keep it out of the classrooms. Those kids need to go to the bathroom. That's what I have to say about that, darn it. And definitely I held um, my pee. I remember I was in like grade one. I think it was grade one or two. And I had gone skating. And I didn't want to go pee at the arena. And it was about two kilometers from my school. And the whole it was a school trip. And I definitely didn't want to go pee because my teacher told me I needed to go pee. I definitely was going to object and no way I have control of this. F you, teacher. I'm peeing when I want and how I want. And so we walked in the freezing cold, dead of winter, two kilometers back to school. And I had 10 layers of clothes on, like a little bundle of cuteness. And by the time I got to the bathroom, you know, you're doing the the pee-pee dance. And I'm trying to hold on. And I've got, you know, I've got my snow pants on, my coat, and everything's layered. And I got to take one, I got to take the coat off to take the pants off, to take the other pants off, to take the tights off take the underwear off and there's like five layers to go well don't you know i had the tightest freaking pants on that i ever owned in my life and i couldn't get the button undone and and i didn't get my snow pants all the way down to the ground at that point either and the pee just flooded and i just stood there helpless and hopeless letting the pee flow all over the place all onto the ground and i was just like oh man and don't you know that was like the one day that my mom was not at home after school. And so I only lived two doors down from the school, but not that day. That day I had to go to the babysitter. That was another one-kilometer hike in totally urine-soaked pants, urine-soaked snow pants. I was like pee from my toes to my freaking boobies and just covered. And I walk into my babysitter's, covered in pee and I'm crying and she's yelling at me. She was German and like so mad at me. And 
I had no clothes. I had no clothes to wear. It was so, that was like humiliation to the max. She yelled at me. She was so upset with me. Uh, like what I remember most of that was the, the, um, the unkindness she was about that. I know she was like looking after an ailing husband. Looking back now, I, I get that her husband was actually dying of cancer. She was probably overstressed and probably shouldn't have been looking after 10 kids after school or at lunchtime, but she did. She probably needed the money, so she did what she needed to do. And um, they searched their house for clothes because she said, otherwise I would have to walk around her house naked in front of all the kids I went to school with. And I was mortified and I wanted to die. And I have to say that it never turned into a fetish for me. It actually created quite the opposite. It created a bit of a um, uh, phobia in a way of pee both peeing in public, ever having peed my pants and letting anybody know because it happened a few times after that as well where I would just hold on so long. I just never liked people telling me when to pee or how to pee. And the resistance was insane. Um, and I see it in my daughter. She's like totally resistant. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, I think what happened was that I had this complete phobia. And then now I'm just starting to unravel some of the mysteries of what had me um, become so controlling about urine. And it is one of the first things that we we learn how to control in our own bodies. Uh, as children, you know, you know you have to be aware of when you pee or when you don't pee, and it's one thing that you can be aware of controlling. That eating and, you know, movement are some some main things that we can use to control our environment. Anyway, there's my interesting story, big reveal on what created embarrassment for me and more of a phobia rather than a philia. But if that story turns any of you on, go ahead and wank off to that and enjoy yourself. And we're actually going to head off to our second commercial break. So enjoy the wanking during the break. And you are listening to The Pleasure Zone here on Inspired Choices Network. And we'll be right back after this commercial. Are you secretly a voyeur wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich, you'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Melitza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Interested in masturbating for money, copulating for consciousness, and pleasuring on purpose? 21 Days of Sexual Magicism with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich is an exploration of tools, processes, and actions that you can use to create more for your life, your body, your money inflows, and so much more. Graduated learning for all levels of interest. Learn at your own pace via video classes or join the yearly live class. Take a peek at www.melitzayelenich.com. 
This is the Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at militzayelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, sweet pleasure seekers. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone. Today, we're talking about golden showers, a urination fascination. We're talking about different ways that maybe these fascinations have creeped up into your life, whether it was through fetishes of humiliation, uh, being refused to go to the bathroom when you were a kid, uh, or, you know, just the holding on. And we talked a little bit about some subcategories as well, which included the Japanese um, category that they have, which is called omowashi, where you suppress urination until you pretty much have to go pee or where you end up urinating in front of another person. So one of the other things that comes up for people who have, uh, who are urophiliacs is that they can do things like bathing in urine. So when I, when I mentioned like creating a giant tub and diving in, I bet for some of you out there who are Euro, who are urophiliacs, you might have actually went, oh wow. I, I can like sense the bodies out there who love urine, who are so, so like delighted by the thought of having like a giant pool, you know, or a kitty, even like a kitty pool just filled with urine. Um, and that how much bliss that could bring you, and and I'm so happy for your bodies to be able to explore things that we have in such abundance. Everybody pees that I know of, that I'm aware of. Actually, no, I think I actually have one client that I met. That, I don't know if it's that she doesn't pee or she doesn't poo, but yes, I did meet one person on the planet who does not. But other than that, pretty sure the majority, like 99.9% of the planet, we all pee. So this is a fetish that is in total abundance, totally easy to get, and is relatively safe compared to some other things like hot wax cuts burning and things like that. This one's a pretty safe situation. One of the aspects of, you know, for urophiliacs is all the senses are involved. So really enjoying the smell the touch, the taste, and even the sight of watching somebody urinate can be highly arousing for somebody who has urophilia. So one of the things also that people like to use it for is when we come to touch, it's like actually putting it on your body for cosmetic purposes. So whether you're putting it on your face or your skin, uh, and we know too that you can use it for uh jellyfish bites, right? Like you can take the sting out of a jellyfish bite. So there's therapeutic aspects that we've talked about as well. So when we look at the different senses, how are some different ways that you can explore your fetish with urophilia? And you might not even realize that you have a little bit of one. So let's play with this. Let's look at all the senses. Let's look at hearing. Do you actually enjoy listening to, say, for example, your partner 
taking a pee in the bathroom. Now, as I think about this, I have to think that actually I do. I actually enjoy the sound of my husband peeing. And he has this habit of leaving the door open when he goes to the bathroom. We have one bathroom in our house. Uh, We have a lot of property and a tiny little house on this giant property. Uh, So sometimes he goes outside to pee too if the bathroom is occupied. But I do actually enjoy the sound of pee. And I think that started when I was pretty little. I was more fascinated about how long it could take somebody to pee. My grandpa had like the longest pees in history. So when I was little, my my bedroom, I would sleep at my grandparents, was right beside the bathroom. And my grandfather could pee for like, I swear, three minutes straight. And and it would just keep on going. And I was like, I remember lying in bed thinking, wow, that's a lot of pee. Wow. (laughs) And the toilet, you know how when the toilet gets to a certain level, it just flushes itself? Well, the toilet would just flush itself. Pretty, it was pretty funny. Or maybe he was flushing it. It's not like I was watching him. So I I remember there was like flushes in the interim because there was so much pee happening. (laughs) And I was not like sexually turned on by my grandfather peeing. I was fascinated by the length of pee. And now I have more of this like thing, I guess it is maybe a bit of a fascination with my husband going pee where I'm like, hmm, that's intriguing. Right now I know he's touching himself. That's part of it is like I know he's touching himself. He's standing there in the bathroom touching himself. Uh, Pee's coming out, which is I love anything that's like anything squirting out of a penis. Love it. So not that I really want to um, be soaked in it. That's not my my thing, but I do like a penis being touched by far. I love it. So that's probably an aspect right there. Um, I don't really have a fascination like when I go to a public bathroom and I'm sitting in a stall and somebody's peeing beside me, peeing and farting and pooping beside me. Now, that's not like my, I'm not sitting there masturbating, thinking about how that is a turn on. It's not my thing. Um but thinking about that, I'm thinking, how fabulous is that for people who it is their thing? And, you know, if it was my thing and I was into, um, if I was a full-on uh, urophiliac and I really wanted to get my rocks off, I'd probably spend a lot of time in public bathrooms listening to people pee, especially if you enjoy the smell of pee. I'd probably be in there smelling it as well. But on the level of, like, where pee starts to smell different with different foods, too, like, like asparagus pee. I don't know if I want to sit in a bathroom and smell somebody's asparagus pee all day long. However, I'm sure there are people who enjoy that too. So kudos to you. You have a very cool and interesting life and lots of ways to get pleasure that maybe some of us never even thought of. And literally, I never thought of the public bathroom as a turn on until like the last three minutes. So, so, So hearing and listening to urination, that's part of it. Seeing it, watching somebody pee is another fascination. So, you know, whether it's just standing there while they go pee. um, And I've had a few partners who were like very insistent on watching me go pee. And at first I was like, but apparently that was a bit of a turn on for them. So, you know, that's something that you can have an easy conversation about. Please, whatever you do, do not shame the person that you're asking to do the fetish with you for. So if you're, you know, if the person's feeling shy about peeing in front of you, please don't go about shaming them and going, 
well, that's just weird. And why don't you want to? And why don't you? Like, you don't need to make them feel awkward at all. Because guess what? Unless they're into humiliation, they're probably not going to abide by your rule. So approach it differently. Um, maybe be an invitation. Like, hey, do you think maybe next time you're going pee, is it okay if I sneak a peek? And that might be a little different than the whole sitting there uh, waiting and prodding and poking them to do that. So just a little invitation in there. Watching, uh, listening, smelling, right? We talked a little bit about that and the smell of pee can be a very fascinating thing. And for some people, they just love the smell of urine-soaked clothing or urine-soaked anything. They just love it, especially if it's from a sexual partner or if it's from somebody especially if it's a humiliation thing, they really would love it from somebody who who would humiliate them, um, belittle them, and then smelling their urine would actually would start to trigger some of the uh the pleasure for them as well, the the pleasure that derive from humiliation. And taste. So another form of receiving through urophilia is through drinking urine. So, again, remember, if you're going to drink urine, make sure that you're drinking the urine of somebody who doesn't have an STD or bacterial infection or fungal infection or anything going on, even like a protozoa infection. Like, you just don't want that in your body. It's an easy way to transmit diseases if there's a disease going on. So make sure that you are clear of that. So drinking and drinking there's a little more to drinking as well where it can just be for ritual ritual purposes where mostly people who are doing it for ritual purposes are really in so many ways they're just looking at ways to feel connected to a person or it's like a ceremony of some sort maybe they're renewing vows and drinking urine together so many different ways to experience it and so uh, touch. Now, touch is one of the most common ones. So I have hearing, sight, taste, oh, smell, touch. Right, touch is the last one, and then we're going to head to break. So touch is where either you are, your urine is touching somebody else's body or you are being touched by somebody else's urine. So having it peed on you, pee on your face, pee on your body, pee on your genitals are pretty common, pee on your feet. Um, as well. So some people will do the this in, say, for example, a shower. You could be showering and the person just urinates on you. Some people will uh, lay out a giant, like, plastic, uh, like a plastic tarp. So they set up for the urine to be able to be collected. You, you can set it up in a way that would work for you, even like a, a larger blow-up um, tub kind of thing can work as well or just a regular tub depends on your location there's a great show on netflix and for the life of me i can't remember the name of it right now but it's it's like 10 to 15 minute little episodes and there's there's a woman who's a dom and she's training somebody to also be a dom and he ends up having to urinate on somebody and it's such a funny scene if I can just remember what the name of that little show is. Anyway, uh, in that episode, they they had a room in basically an establishment that you would go to see somebody who's into BDSM as a 
as a practice, right? So kind of not a whorehouse technically, but something like that. Anyway, they in that episode they laid plastic out on the all the floors and then the person looked down on it and was urinated on. So in the mouth, on the face, and that's usually the main main target for when it comes to humiliation, usually the main target is the face or the genitals. So Knowing that, too, when you're having a conversation with somebody about your desire to choose this or your desire not to choose this, um, there are some guidelines to follow with between you and to figure out what works and what doesn't work for you. So we're going to talk about those guidelines before the end of the show, and we're just going to head off to our last commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk about some ways to have this discussion with your partner. Are you secretly a voyeur, wondering what's going on in other people's sex lives? What if now is the time for a totally different sexual evolution? Are you interested in people who are pioneers of different sexual and pleasurable practices? Lean in now with Melitza Yelenich, where she will entice you and your body to know your own pleasure zone. On the Pleasure Zone radio show with sensual movement artist Melitza Yelenich. You'll receive tools, inspiration, and a foundation to allow yourself to receive more in your sex life, and quite possibly, other areas of your life as well. Listen for The Pleasure Zone with Milica every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. To participate in the program today from the U.S., call 815-880-TALK. That's 815-880-8255. From Canada, dial 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Or send your questions or comments via email to info at MilicaYelenich.com. Now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pleasure Zone, where we're talking about golden showers, a urination fascination. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about is how do you bring up this conversation? And there's one of the easiest ways to approach this if you have... Um, trouble maybe verbalizing this to your partner is that both of you can create a list and the list is it's a three column list and one of the columns will be for things you want that you really really want tell me what you want what you really really want and the next column is things that you're willing to do maybe try out in the future possibly explore and things you will absolutely not do things you won't do things you know you're never going to change your mind on and it's one way to compare what you desire. And if you happen to be on your won't list is I will never, ever let somebody urinate on me or I will never urinate on somebody. If that's on your won't list and your partner's want list is all all about um, urophiliac uh, desires, then you know that there's something there that's uh, that's going to create uh, discord. So 
from there, you can have further conversations about this. It's really easy to make it really clear when you both create this list and then you just pass the list over to each other. You don't have to create the list in front of each other. You just create it in your own time and then you hand it to each other so you can explore that and also so that you're not trying to make sure that you're writing on your want list everything that your partner desires or you know, you'd like to make sure that it's true for you and not that you're trying to please somebody to make them happy and meanwhile you're not happy. Okay, so using lists are very, very a useful way to get that conversation going. Now, if you've already created those lists and both of you are on the want or will part of the this fetish of uh, this urine fetish, then the next thing to approach is to look at what parts of the body are okay for you. So what parts of the body are okay for you to pee on? What parts of the body are you okay to receive urine in? Like, would you like it on your bum or on your feet or in your mouth or in your ears? Like, where would you like the urine? Where are you willing to have it? In your hair? So you need to have a talk about, if you're both on the yes front, you need to then establish the ground rules of where is it okay to do this. And as with any fetish, it's always good to have um, have safe words and ground rules set in advance so that everybody is happy in the end and you're really clear on what you desire. And I think that's true for sex in general, but it's uh, something that mostly people only really look at when they've uh, when they're working with fishes. It's interesting, isn't it? Well, I hope that little tip on the want, will, won't list will help you out and then have the further discussions about what are clearly things that you would like done and not done, where, how, when, that sort of situation. So next week I've got a guest actually coming on and uh, her name is Natalie Krishna and we're going to be talking about the art of sexual intimidation. So I hope that you guys can join me then. And until then, remember to stay, what is it, guys? What is it? You're going to stay tuned in and turned on. And remember to, like, just check out all kinds of different things that you maybe never would have explored. Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Zone with sensual movement artist Milica Yelenich. The Pleasure Zone returns next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, and 5 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. We hope you'll join us. Until then, have the best week of your life by choosing to be turned on and tuned in.